So it's Halloween, you cannot escape it. It's all over the radio, it's all over the television, it's all over everywhere. Pumpkins, trick-or-treaters, ghouls, ghosts, witches and goblins, it's all a bit silly, really, in my opinion. I'm told that back in the day, if you went to a private school, uh, this was a, a young man that told me this many years ago, though he wasn't young, he was an older man, but anyway, um, he, he said that schoolboys used to march around the perimeter of the school, banging pots and pans that Cook had given them to scare off the evil spirits, and praying and invoking the name of Jesus at every corner around the perimeter of the school. That seems a far more healthy thing to do. I might try it this evening if any children knock on my front door, banging pots and pans and invoking the name of Jesus and see if they still want a treat. And then tomorrow it's All Hallows Day, All Saints Day, when the church, when we remember all the saints. What is a saint? We possibly all have our favourites. St Cyril is one of mine. His feast day is the 14th of February, and I love wishing people a happy St. Cyril's Day on the 14th of February. I'm a big fan of St. Benedict of Nursia, who revolutionised the monasteries, and I have a, a little woodcut of him by my desk. I'm inspired by St. Cuthbert, who bravely went to convert the heathens of Northumbria, where others had failed, and I have a little picture of Cuthbert's isle in my study. I'm really fond of St. Teresa of Avila, who encouraged believers to pray in the kitchen because God moves amongst the pots and the pans. What a star, down-to-earth spirituality. Maybe the same pots and pans that I'll bang at my front door this evening. Well, the New Testament defines you and me as saints. It's very simple. A saint is one who is following Jesus, open to being sanctified, has invited the Holy Spirit in to transform them to be like Christ. The word saint, the word sanctified come from the same root, sanctus, holy, set aside. Well, we're back in Ephesians 1 because of All Saints Day tomorrow. Because in verse 15, Paul says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. By the way, that is what God is looking for in his church. Faith in Jesus, love for the saints. Other translations say all God's people. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. You, me, and those we admire in the faith are, by the New Testament definition, saints. For we are all God's people when we turn our lives over to following Jesus. So perhaps this next 24 hours or so is a chance for us to give thanks for the saints who've modelled, inspired, challenged and encouraged us in the faith. Two such people come to my mind as soon as I say that. One was Len. I was a small boy, my parents used to drop us off at Sunday school, they never went to church themselves, but the Sunday school was very popular and there was loads and loads of children that went to it. And my Sunday school teacher for roughly half the year was Len. Half the year because the other half he worked in the Middle East. He was an engineer in the oil industry. And all the boys, we thought he was a hero because he drove to church in a red E-type Jaguar. Just pausing to let that sink in because some of you will be having a moment, I'm sure. We thought he was brilliant. But it wasn't just the red E-type Jaguar. The generosity of Len's heart was phenomenal. 
His desire to teach us about Jesus was never ending. And then there was Sister Scholastica. She's a member of a religious community. She's not there anymore, sadly. She's passed away. But Scholastica was one of my great heroes. She was riddled with arthritis, but she loved to work in the print room. She was probably the slowest hand printer on the planet, but she was doing it for Jesus. And if I snuck in there when I was on retreat, she would always have time for me and would often pray for me. Yes, both Len and Scholastica prayed for me. Who is praying for you? Are you on someone's prayer list? And maybe let's flip the question. Who are you praying for? Who is on your prayer list? Today's passage in Ephesians is a model prayer. It's the first of two prayers that Paul prays and writes about in his letter to the Ephesians. And this prayer is simply a prayer for the spiritual growth of every individual in the Ephesian church. Uh, Nigel, uh, bless him, he's just moved to the Isle of Wight, Facebook tells me. Um, he prayed for me that I would come to know Jesus. He was there right at the beginning of my faith journey. Len, who I mentioned earlier, I remember him praying for me to be confident in Jesus when I f preached my first ever sermon. It was on a small housing estate in a sort of a mission church that we were running. Scholastica, she prayed for me to know God's presence when I began to lead a church in East London. She had once lived her, here herself. Each of those three prayers, as I reflect on them this All Saints Tide, were for my spiritual growth, that I would come to know Jesus, that I would be confident in Jesus, that I would know his presence with me. In fact, this is the second time this year I've spoken on this passage in Ephesians 1, and I am convinced that as the church, we need to step into this way of praying, praying for each other's spiritual growth. The ways of the world, well, the evil one that is at work within the structures of the world, wants to pull us away from God, wants to pull us away from our journey of faith, wants to destroy our relationship with Jesus. I think we need to learn to pray in the other direction and to do it often, praying for each other's spiritual growth. When I said a few moments ago, who's on your prayer list? If you haven't got one, then why not make one up? Maybe put on it the three people that you end up speaking to over coffee this morning. If we were all busy and active praying for each other's spiritual growth, we might just turn the tide on the decline in church numbers across the UK. Not so in London, the church is growing here but much of the UK is seeing decline. Let's look then for a few moments at how Paul prays. In verses 15 and 16, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul gives thanks for them. I'm sure amongst the Ephesian church there were some people who annoyed him. I'm sure there were people that pushed in in the coffee queue. I'm sure there were people that argued with him. I'm sure there were people that made his life difficult. But he had not stopped giving thanks for them. In fact, he starts most of his letters in the New Testament giving thanks for those he is writing to. When he writes to the church in Thessalonica, he encourages them to give thanks in all circumstances. Paul knew there was much to be thankful for. God's love, 
His redemption, our salvation, the gift of the Scriptures. Jesus made flesh, raised from the dead, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here, Paul is specifically giving thanks for his fellow Christians, for the fellowship of the church. And it's circular, you know. That which we give thanks for, we begin to appreciate even more. We feel even more grateful for it. I seriously think one of the church's biggest problems in the UK today is a lack of gratitude, and particularly perhaps a lack of gratitude for each other. Let's buck the trend in bow. Let's give thanks for each other and do it regularly and often. Well, Paul goes on in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I I sort of put my hands up there in an involuntary way, but you can imagine him like giving the blessing at the end of the service. I pray that the Father might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. I think in a sense this is the dynamite plea in the middle of Paul's petition. I pray that God would open your eyes, your heart and your mind that you would know him better better. All around the world there are lots and lots of people who know lots and lots of stuff about God. There are far less people who would say they actually know him as a close personal friend, but that's what he wants with each and every one of us. Lots of us know lots about David Attenborough. How many of us can say he's a close personal friend? Pausing just in case I'd picked the wrong celebrity and three of you related to him. What I love about this petition is Paul's concern for their daily walk with God. He is quite literally praying that when they are doing their daily devotions, they would meet Jesus walking off the pages of Scripture. They'd be arrested by his beauty, overwhelmed by his grace and captivated by his truth. You are very welcome to pray that prayer for me, that my daily devotions would leave me exhausted and exhilarated by the reality of God. Paul is praying that they would grow as believers. Let's take that model and make it our own. Moving on in the prayer, verses 18 and 19. I pray that your heart may know the hope to which God has called you and his incomparably great power for us who believe. As we head into COP26, if you've been watching anything at all on the internet or TV recently, Many are saying that we're the first generation to comprehend the climate crisis and the last generation with any chance to do anything about it. Life can feel a little hopeless. And let's face it, the Christian life can feel hard, really hard, when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers, when we feel unable to pray. And we can feel powerless at times too. Paul knows that the Christian life is like this. And he prays that the Ephesian believers would hold on to the hope of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is not just concerned about their relationship with God, but he prays for their life in this world to be confident. I don't know whether you're old enough to remember the Queen video that came out in 1996 called Kind of Magic. Uh, if If you have no recollection of what I'm talking about at all, don't worry. You can go home and YouTube it. 
It was one of the first amazing videos to use computer-generated images on the screen. And throughout the video, there are these electrical flashes of light and color that transform a dusty, dingy, black and white world into a technicolor explosion of life. The day Jesus walked out of the tomb, the world saw that hope cannot be killed and God's power knows no boundaries. Praying for our friends and our church to live in the light of that hope and that power is a million times more life than Queen's brilliant 1996 video. A kind of magic, YouTube, if you want to this afternoon. Let's draw towards the end of Paul's prayer. Verses 20 onwards. God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand far above all things. He placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Paul, having given thanks for the Ephesian Christians, having prayed for their relationship with God to grow, having prayed that their vision of Jesus' hope and power would be enlarged, does what all good prayers do. He turns the focus back onto Jesus. He does exactly the same in his second prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul doesn't just petition God, he praises God. I expect many of us, I know for myself, often go to God with a, a list of practical needs for myself, my family and my mates. Well, Paul goes to God with requests for spiritual growth and then he praises and adores Jesus. He lifts Jesus up. It's a model of Christian maturity. Paul quite rightly becomes known as St. Paul. What is it that Paul praises Jesus for and declares? That Jesus is seated at God's right hand, the highest place. That Jesus is sovereign over all of the earth. And that Jesus is the head of the church, not just now, but for all time. It's a theological biography in a moment of prayer and praise. It's what we often do in some of the more traditional hymns that we sing that was so deeply written theologically. Let me finish, though, with three encouragements. Can I encourage us all to give thanks for those who have modelled, inspired, challenged and encouraged us in our Christian faith? and to give thanks for all God's people? Secondly, can I encourage us to press into personal holiness, giving ourselves to knowing God better, to living daily in the light of his hope and his power, to being saints, to being hallowed? I remember many years ago at a conference, Bishop Michael Marshall saying that we should switch the word hallowed for hollowed, that a saint is one who has been hollowed out to make room for God in their life, and then hallowed by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Firstly, to give thanks. Secondly, to press into our own personal holiness. And thirdly, let us pray for our church family, as Paul does in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, for the spiritual growth of the people sitting alongside us today, for the spiritual growth of those we will chat with at coffee, for the spiritual growth of those who are unable to be with us this morning. With all that in mind, happy All Saints Day to all God's people at Bow Church. Amen.